Thank you for joining me today to talk food and beverage manufacturing sustainability, my favorite topic. I'm Sheer Mirweather, Executive Director of Provision Coalition. We're a national sustainability organization that has had the privilege of working with some remarkable companies over the last four years on their sustainability journey. These companies have made real and lasting production and operational changes that have positively impacted the environment, their employee culture, and their business profits too. I find these transformational stories truly exciting and inspiring, and I'm pleased to share them with you. Today, I'm sitting with my colleague, Samir Pathak, Manager of Environment and Sustainability at Coca-Cola Refreshments. Samir, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today mm -hmm. about some of the commitments Coca-Cola, an impressive global company, is making to value natural capital, specifically with respect to water. Thanks, Cher. Uh, welcome to Coke. And it's, it's, it's an opportunity for us to sort of share our story. Uh, we have been working on uh, natural capital for over a few decades now. I think uh, the primary natural capital that we consume is water, uh, the largest amount, so to speak. Uh, the, the next uh, largest capital is, is possibly the world's most consumed natural capital, which is carbon uh, and the CO2 footprint. Uh, I think uh, we have worked on water and energy and water and reducing carbon footprint for several decades. Uh, we sort of uh, have very methodical and strategic approach to this. We worked on identifying uh, water risks to our businesses. We identified how can we reduce and improve water quality and water uh, uh, conservation at our plant level. Uh, we don't just stop at what we consume and you know at, at the plant level and focus on conservation. We have a much bigger goal. I'm sure you heard of water neutrality. I think we can talk about it a little further as we as we roll down. Um, and, and you have a few specific questions about that. I see. Uh, and I think uh, from carbon footprint perspective, we have done substantial work as it comes to plant bottle, one of the most iconic and most expensive project that we have been working on. We are working on recovering most of our bottles back and working on improving the cycle content of our bottle. Uh, HFC free coolers, that's one of the latest uh, work that we have been working on. So no HFC in the coolers, uh, one of the highest efficiency coolers, and that's where our majority of the carbon footprint is. So between packaging and, and, uh, and vending machines that we have globally, that's more than 60 to 70% of our carbon footprint, you know, believe it or not. However, we still work substantially on improving energy footprint of our plants, our operations. We have invested in renewable fleet, uh, renewable energy investments. So uh, quite a bit of work going on for the last couple of decades uh, at Coke. And isn't there some pioneer work that you have done with the Natural Capital uh, Consortium? And really trying to understand how do we take something like natural capital and put that on our balance sheet? Well, that's right. And see, the way it works is uh, natural capital, as we all know, has been externalized by our economies. Not one business or another business or one set of country, another set of countries. Uh, it's just externalized overall. Uh, what we have started working on is Let's try to bring that in. Whatever value that we are, we have externalized, we took natural resources granted. That's what we do globally. Every business does it. Uh, two decades ago, uh, that's when we started sort of uh, rethinking. And so we are working with uh, World Wildlife Fund and Nature Conservancy on, on, on a more formal project to really map out the natural capital and incorporate it. 
Uh, however, the work that we have started sort of goes back, as I said, two decades ago, and it's been it's been happening uh, since then. Uh, we are working on very formally mapping that natural capital. How much of it we have worked on, how much more we need to do, and how can we be more aggressive and accelerate our efforts overall. A couple of questions for you, Samir. What kind of operational changes have you made to reduce water usage? From operational perspective, I'm going to focus on the plants. Uh, what we do at plants, that's where majority of our water consumption happens globally. Uh, our typical approach is water balance. We want to understand, I'm sure you heard of energy balance and mass balance. Uh, water balance, what it does is one liter of water coming in. What's happening to, to that one liter of water? Uh, more than half of that liter is going into our product. And what's happening to the remaining water? Uh, are, we waste, are we using it for cleaning uh, purposes, uh, cleaning place, cleaning floors, uh, for lube? Uh, cleaning bottles and, and uh, cans and, 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 and so to speak. Uh, we have done quite a few changes, especially in Canada, uh, from an operational perspective. And a uh, few I can talk about. Uh, we use warmers to heat up our bottles after filling operation. The, cooling, uh, the filling operation happens at lower temperature. So we have to bring the temperature up so it does not sweat in the, in, in the packaging and the transportation process. Uh, we started, so at, at some point we were dumping pretty much uh, most of that water going down the drain. Uh, we worked with our suppliers and we identified certain biocides that we started putting inside that water that allows that water to be recirculated uh, almost, uh, you know, uh, infinitely, so to speak. You may have a little bit of purge going out. So, so that's one of the things we, we, we worked on. Uh, we have a filtration process at every plant. Uh, whatever city water we get, we obviously don't use that in our product. We have filtration, very rigorous filtration process. Uh, during the filtration, uh, we have a little bit of uh, reject going down the drain, a little bit of backwash that we do, and, we, and, and the, when the filtration process is not operational, we have some flush going to keep the membrane ready whenever we are ready to start the filtration process. Uh, this water uh, of backwashing and the flush used to go down the drain. We started recovering that water. And that, you know, all, all this 2%, 5%, 1% here and there, those have been adding up big time. Uh, cleaning place uh, is, is, is a process we use to clean our lines and our blending and the filling equipments and such. We have optimized that process primarily. Uh, it's a three or five staffs process. We first rinse to clean the water, uh, clean the product. Then we do the actual high pH cleaning with caustic, and then final flush to get the caustic out before we prime the line with our new product that that's going to come in. Uh, so that caustic phase, every time we do the cleaning, it used to go down the down the drain. Now we started recovering it and we recover and recycle and reuse that, that caustic. Uh, what another, another thing we do is the final flush that we use to clean the caustic, we collect that water and use it as a pre-rinse for the next time. So, so those sort of minor operational changes have helped us big time. We have uh, quite a few low flow fixtures installed. We worked substantially on our pump seals. It used to be water seal pump. We removed them and put mechanical seals. And, and those have helped us big time from the operational perspective. So talk to us about some of the new technologies that have been implemented at Coca-Cola. 
Well, uh, new technologies is where uh, we have we have huge investments going in, and as you as I told you, uh, we we value natural capital uh, almost at par with our our prime capital. So when it comes to investing, uh, and when there is a business case from natural capital perspective, uh, we value it almost at par with, with other capitals. Uh, so some of the key things that we have worked on, one of the latest investment we've, d we've done is inline blow molding. So we used to have these bottles, PED bottles, transporting from thousands of kilometers every time to our plants. And so that transportation cost, and, and then we use that to you know, uh, put our product in it and, and put it to the market. Uh, in last couple of years, we invested inline blow molding at three plants, three out of five plants in Canada, and uh, in Coca-Cola refreshments. And what it does is, instead of bringing ten truckloads of shipments of bottle, now we have only one truckload coming in, and that's preform. And so that sort of tells you how much uh, carbon footprint saving that it, it has done. Mind you, it, it goes in tens of millions of dollars when it comes to investment, but that's where we are committed to. Another key piece of technology is a scavenger RO. So reverse osmosis and nanofiltration and ultrafiltration, we have different filtration system at different plant. Uh, when, when we put the water through, there is gonna be around 10 to 15% water going down the drain as a reject with high concentration. Uh, what we have done is invested in, in a scavenger reverse osmosis where we take this water and pass it through another set of filtration and we, we were able to get almost 60 to 70 percent of that water out. So that, that talks about how much volume. It, it goes in millions of liters. Now, mind you, if you put cost to the water, uh, it's not it's not a cost effective if you look at uh, from the primary perspective unless you add value of that natural capital that we don't take into account when we do it that makes sense so that's another big investment again it goes in tens of millions of dollar uh, dry lube is another piece of new technology that we have invested in uh, we used to use water sprinklers to keep our uh, conveyors dry uh, conveyors lubricated now we invested into dry lube. So what, what it is is a silicon-based powder. It's no, not a single drop of water. And that does fantastic job at lubricating our conveyors. And it's, it's, hap it's been happening for the last four or five years at, at many plants. And, and it's, it's a success story for us. Air rinser, one of the very simplest process. We, we always use water. If you go back 10 years ago, Almost every plant in Canada, we used to have water to rinse every can and bottle that we put our product in. Uh, over all that years, we moved on from water rinsers to air rinsers. We have I, we have make sure the air is the pure in its purest form, ionized air. Uh, we we blow it through our our cans and bottles, make sure they are really good in in a good condition to receive the product, and and so that obviously it, it's not a huge investment but that saved us millions of liters of water. So some of those things sort of help us. Cooling towers optimization is, is something another, another uh, that we have worked on. Uh, lines and valves automation. Uh, automating, so when the line is not running, all the conveyors and all the lines and the sprayers, and in some cases spraying water, they turn off automatically. So it saves water. In the past, 
irrespective of whether the line is running or not, the conveyors keep going, the lights are still on, the waters keep spraying, and, and those have sort of helped us big time from the capital perspective. One of the things I just wanted to ask you about is you talked about um, when you were evaluating it, it wasn't until you put the natural capital in that it really made good business sense. Can you talk to the listeners a little bit more about that piece? that valuing that natural capital. Right. Well, I, I think I started alluding to that a little bit as well. Uh, it is very important. Uh, it's, as a business, either you commit to it or you do not. Uh, unless you put that value to natural capital. And, and mind you, uh, most, if not all, of our decisions are driven by something we call internally as a social license to operate, and which touches our customers, consumers, communities, our employees, all of our stakeholders, NGOs that we work in, partner with, uh, Provision Coalition, TRCA, and, and a quite a few other uh, local uh, entities that we work with. And when we started putting that natural cap value of natural capital, uh, it just helped technical people like us to go to the business folks and help them understand this is what it is. This is why we need to we need to keep that into account. And natural capital has been excluded in all decision making uh, for ever since we have this uh, you know formal economic thought uh, you know uh, in, in 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 line. Uh, so, so incorporating this natural capital into the business case has helped us pushed that envelope a little bit and made our business leaders more aware of what it is that we are talking about. And our we have listened to our consumers, listened to our customers and, uh, and our employees, and, and it, it, it matters a lot to everyone. Absolutely. You've actually answered one of the questions I had for you, is just telling us how the consumer impacts Coca-Cola's business. Anything else you want to add to that piece? Sure, yeah. Uh, so as I said, social license to operate is what drives almost every decisions we make within our business. And who do we seek that social license from? Uh, primarily consumers. Uh, of course, employees. But look at the billions of consumers we have globally. So when you add them up, the major chunk of it is consumers. And we seek that social license from consumers and community. And we have heard over and over again how valued, how valuable national capital is for everyone, how valuable uh, water resources are. Obviously, if you go back five, 10 years ago, we were talking about that next wars are gonna be about water. Guess what? It's happening now. You, you, you look around in any newspaper and every other day you will hear some sort of disputes happening globally around water. It's, it's here and now. And, and I'm, I'm so proud to be working with companies such as Coca-Cola who recognized that almost a decade ago. And we have been working on it. So we have such a fantastic track record to show when we, when we approach our consumer. So I think consumers are, are foundational to almost all of our decisions at Coca-Cola, not just from sustainability perspective, but business perspective, social perspective as well. Absolutely, a true business leader. So let's talk a little bit more about the employees. How do you engage employees in thinking differently about managing natural resources? 
I think it's it's extremely important for a business to have employees engaged. Uh, almost every stakeholder's engagement is is important. Uh, however, employees' engagement is is paramount because that's where you enable the change. Uh, how how we engage our employees is we, we we typically have town hall process at our plants and in our distribution centers. We bring everyone in one room, we talk about where, where we are as a business, where we want to go as a business. Uh, we talk about what are some of the key risks that we see as a business. And those risks, again, come from consumer's perspective, comes from community's perspective. And, and so town hall is where, where it all starts. Uh, we train our employees on some of these resource conservation ideas, such as water conservation, energy conservation, why it's important to recycle uh, the waste why it's important to reduce the waste at source rather than you know generating the waste and then recycling. Uh, we, we engage in uh, something called leak tagging process. This happens at, at most of our plants. Uh, our employees identify leaks and then they, they, they have a tag that they attach to it and a small uh, piece of it, they drop it in, uh, in, with the maintenance team and then we track it and make sure that it's being addressed on a timely basis. And, and what, what that has done is that has empowered employees. Absolutely. Everyone has a skin in the game at that stage. And they are empowered so, so much so that they can always stand up in any town hall and ask questions to maintenance team, to the plant leadership team, what happened to that particular leak tag that I, I, I generated. And, and, and that's, that just brings everyone on the same level. Everyone is accountable. Uh, management of the plant, yeah, plant managers are accountable to the employees, and obviously employees are accountable to to plant manager. And what we another small piece we add to that is rewards and recognition. We recognize folks who are really advanced, and we reward them. And and sort of that has drove other employees to sort of uh, lead by example, and, and and it has it has worked really well overall. Can you talk about some of the programs, the, the reward or success programs that you've done? I know a lot of companies have been thinking about establishing their own program and just giving some insight from a company that's figured it out. I would not say we figured it out all. Uh, I think we are, we are starting. We, we are getting there. Uh, so, so one of the programs I talked about is a, is a leak tagging program, a leak detection program. Uh, so we have a nice little signboard at, at every plant's entrance. And that has a bunch of uh, tags that, that, that's, that's left there. Uh, we talk about that in the town hall. All employees are aware what this program is about. We show them what it is. And so as employees are working in their areas and in their operational uh, you know, focuses, uh, as and when they come across air leak, steam leak, carbon dioxide leak, any water leak, uh, they take a tag, put a tag right next to the instrument where it's leaking, take a tag out, a small piece of it out, and leave it with the, with the maintenance team. And maintenance team is charged, so every plant has a different timeline on how, within how long you want to address them. So when, when we started this process, it, it, it was overwhelming, you know, so to speak. Uh, it, it's, been, uh, it's been a tremendous success. Uh, maintenance team was overwhelming, uh, overwhelmed to an extent, uh, but but eventually it, it all eased out, and I think you know typical bell curve. Uh, now we are at a very smooth sailing stage. 
And, and so that's, that's a primary program that we have going. But the, the celebration program, that's what I was um, sort of alluding to, this concept of celebrating with the team and, and sharing those successes. Do you have a program in place that does that? Yeah, so the so. process is more about uh, recognizing employees in the town hall uh, and we have some t-shirts or different plants sort of recognize them differently. And we have uh, Coca-Cola globally has a program called Perk. Uh, so we award 100 perks or 200 perks uh, per empl uh, to employee on, on a certain basis and then you go to uh, our website where you use those perk points to buy whatever you want, a t-shirt or a short, a coat, you know, uh, signboard of nice. sorts. Yeah. So much of our discussion today is about companies doing the right thing. Consumers expect it, employees want it, and it makes sense for long-term business prosperity. My final question for you, Samir, is what's in it for you? What keeps you committed? Well, and, and, and you're right. I think as a business, uh, it's a sustainability. Do we want to sustain the business? Uh, we, we talk about financial sustainability. We, we talk about social sustainability. We talk about environmental sustainability. We cannot leave anyone out. And if we do, uh, sooner or later, a business is going to feel the pressure. And if they are not able to pick up, uh, they will lose the lose out from the competition, and 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 most likely they won't survive. Uh, no matter how good they are from the financial perspective, we have seen many many examples uh, of, of that happening. W why it's important for me? I think uh, it's it's tremendously important as a human, not just for myself, but you and pretty much all Canadian, all you know, we are a global citizen. Uh, Look at how tiny little planet we are on uh, from the universal perspective. Whatever resources we have on that planet is all we have. We are not getting anything new except finite amount of solar energy. Uh, so we have what we have. Uh, our population have tremendously increased. Uh, I think we have overpowered this planet to large an extent. We have dominated almost every other species on this planet. So. So it's, it's important, and obviously, especially uh, as a father of two daughters, and and as as realizing how responsible I am to those next generation, to be able to give this earth to them, this planet to them, hopefully in a better condition than how we receive. Uh, I think it's tremendously important, and that sort of drives me to do this. That sort of brings this passion. Uh, in, in, in what I do from the sustainability perspective. And that passion is so evident. Uh, thanks, Samir. It's always a pleasure talking and learning from you. And to our listeners, please join us for the next episode where I talk with Solange Ackerel at Club Coffee and learn about an incredible new packaging development, compostable coffee and tea single-serve pods. Talk soon, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs>